Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are sponsored by Establishment Coffee, and you can get 25% off plus free shipping with your next order with the code ZERO. Head 25. to... 25. Sorry. Language. Head to... Head to, head to what? Their the website? In, the internet. <laughs> Establishmentcoffee.com? <laughs> .com. <laughs> .au, no? Not sure. Oh. Is that au? .com.au, yeah. Go to Google. They yeah. definitely get zero business from this. <laughs> Don't say that, James. <laughs> well, the intro's like that, maybe. <laughs> no, no, here's how we can plug it. So... Thomas recently has been making my coffees on the establishment beans. Yeah, they're really um, good. And they're really good. Because um, our bag before that was just some other brand. And then he's been making it for me on the establishment beans. We'll have to figure out which blend it is, but it's really nice. Nice. Iced and hot. So very good. Mm. If I gave you a V60 Tombro, would you use it? What's a V60? A Hario V60. I have no idea what you're talking about. If you look it up and you're like, yes, I will. I'll give you a brand new one. What is, is it, it? A type of coffee machine? Yeah, it's a coffee maker. Is it that thing you used to bring into the gym? No, that's an Aeropress. Okay. I really like that. I like that coffee. What about the pod machine? What about the pod machine? <laughs> I love a pod <laughs> machine. Uh, no, I won't use it. You won't use it? No. What is that? It's like a pour over kind of deal. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool if you want to buy then the little kettle and then turn yourself into a giant wanker. <laughs> no, no offense. No, 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 it's cool. I d- I'm just not that into it. Yeah, I just use a normal kettle when I was doing it. Yeah. But yeah, you should get a gooseneck kettle. Yes. So you can uh, bloom it properly. With that like long stem type yeah. thing. Mm. Oh my god! But you want to get the proper brewista kettle, which boils well, water at 85 degrees. I was going to buy it for you one Christmas. Then I was like, no, nah, he's not going to be into it in about five <laughs> minutes. So I just waited out. Sure enough, here you are one year later trying to re-gift it to me. <laughs> oh, like good. equivalent of decanting wine. That's what I, it feels like. I always decant. Yeah. Well, I've got I a decanter. You at do? Home oh, as well, yeah. I was yeah. speaking to the wrong audience. Like, <laughs> it's just fun to put it in there. <laughs> to and let then, it aerate? Yeah, yeah, or some shit like that. I should try decanting my Pepsi Max. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's just called going flat. Uh, <laughs> flat Pepsi is the best. The if worst. you're sick. So <laughs> good. Absolute worst. Delicious. Oh. I think I was telling James this before. If my dad ever asks for a drink of like your soft drink, never give it to him because he shakes it up and then he has a sip and then gives it back to you because he'll only drink. Flat soft drink, oh. and it'll ruin everyone else's drink. Why? <laughs> I don't know, but it's terrible. It's my people. <laughs> oh, wait, how many how many cans of soft drink a day do you think is like nasty? As in inappropriate, like too much? Yeah, because my housemate John the other day I was like, "Yeah, bro, I would have had like two or three uh, drinks of coconut sugar today," and I was just like, "That's that's a lot." Do you reckon? I'd say more than eight to ten is over the top. <laughs> More than eight to ten. Yeah, legit. Yeah? How many do you drink a day? I'm light at the moment. Mm. Like two or three? Yeah, well, I, uh, me too. I feel like that's normal. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. When, when Daniel and I were in America, mm. we would buy two or three 12-packs at a time, and I don't know how many we, we went through, but it was a lot. Da- well, Daniel doesn't drink water, does he? Neither do I, really. We, we both bought one-gallon bottles of water at the start of the trip. We were there for like 
two weeks or something, neither of us finished them. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like these tepid, gross bottles of water in the back of the car in amongst a pile of cans of other stuff. Oh, God. (laughs) But the drinks are so good. I think one a day is like a nice... Happy mm. medium. Mm. You can't even get through one. I can I can hardly get through one. It's just so like luxurious. I don't need more than one. Bridget's the same. She can't she doesn't drink them. Yeah, I don't drink soft drink. I'll have a couple of sips of yours, maybe mm. once a week. That's it. I need a bit of carbonation. Mm. I could drink like cordial water though all day long. Oh, mm. that's what I normally have in my drink bottle mm. as well. Yeah. So good. Bit of salt, bit of diet right, some water. Did Cogis. any of you ever get into the what was it called? Is this green tea X50? Oh, yeah. What was it called? The I got, sachets. I got scammed. X something. X50? Yeah. They yeah. were delicious. You got scammed. Well, I, I feel like buying them was a scam. <laughs> oh, it was a scam. <laughs> yeah. I remember Denver Stain must have been sponsored by someone and he had one of like a, what they would have a supplement store, like a giant dispenser of it that he used to bring in the gym and like go through two liters of it during the day. How good. It was delicious. It was just a scam. It's like 50 bucks for like 20 servings. What about PB2? Oh, so good. Um, I've never bought it, but I've got it free. Nice. I feel like someone's always giving it away. I went to the Brisbane Fitness Expo for uh, just before the gym first opened. Mm. And I was on the PB2 train then. And I got... No, this was in 2014. I went in 2014 and I bought 10 of the big bottles of it. Which was a lot. Yeah, right. Like 150 bucks worth because they were normally whatever, 12 bucks or 20 bucks or something. It was a discount. It was like buy 10 for X amount of percent off. And I'm like, I have to do that. <laughs> I remember the white chocolate one was really good. Yum. White chocolate. Or it might have been by Macro Mike. I don't know. That might have been Macro Mike one. They only had regular peanut butter and, and chocolate peanut butter yeah, when I was. That's all I remember. When I was into it. Mm, must have been a Macro Mike. All right. Mm. Anyway, what have you guys been up to? Mig, what did you get up to in the weekend? Or in the last week? Uh, what did I do? In the, the last weekend? seven days. In the last seven days. Uh, well, Thomas was away in Tasmania on Saturday. So I just kind of worked and trained and did some stuff with the dogs. And then on Sunday, what did we do on Sunday? Nothing. Nothing. We had a nothing day in, in the best way possible. Um, I've been water loading since Sunday. Uh, so just going to the toilet once every hour, if that counts as what I've been up to <laughs> and deloading this week. Thanks for the info. <laughs> <laughs> um, and hanging out with the dogs. The weather this week has been really cruddy, so we haven't been able to walk as much as usual, uh, which is not always the best, but that's okay. Yeah. Nice. nice. That's about it. Bridget? Just the usual stuff. Working, training. Went to lunch at Nikki Hazar's house on Sunday with James and she made us some really nice Hungarian food. Drank some Hungarian alcohol. It was amazing. Oh, what So was thank the, you, Nikki. What was the highlight of the food? What was the name of what the meal that she made us? I can't I remember what it. it was called, but it was like, it wasn't like pasta. It was kind of like the texture of gnocchi yeah, yeah, with yeah. chicken on top. It was amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. Like a dumpling? Yeah, sort of. Kind of. Know exactly what you're talking about. It was unreal. Is that like what we had in Turkey? No. Oh. Not like a pierogi? It's quite unique. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like even gnocchi is a good sort of comparison. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of to compare it to. So there's no inside? No, it's like because she makes it with like flour and 
I'm not sure what else she said. And you, she chops it up into these little bits and you put it into water and boil it. Yeah, mm. I can't remember the name though. And then some chicken on top with like this really nice sauce and like a cucumber salad on the side. It was delicious. Is mm. it called Noked Nokedly? Nokedly? Oh, nah. Is that what it looked like? Like mince? Yes, it did look like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But no, so that was unreal. So thank you so much, Nikki, for yeah. your hospitality. That was lovely. And yeah, that's about it. That's all I've been doing. Mm. James? Um <coughs> No, it's very social on the weekend actually. Friday went out with my mates for some tappers and some beers. Uh, Saturday we went to a restaurant called Punchos. Yeah. Like a Mexican restaurant in uh, Madruba. Yeah. It's dog friendly so you can bring your dogs. Oh, yeah. I brought the little one. Yeah, so it was cool. And then Sunday, Nikki's, um, I'm still injured. So I went to like some, uh, it was like the, at our gym, people that were getting their black belts. So it was actually pretty cool to see. Yeah, nice. Did a hucker. First hucker I've done in like 13 years. Nice. Very rusty, and it's pretty funny. Like the hucker went viral on all these uh, Brazilian. Um, it went like this. Like Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu magazine posted it. That's mm. cool. Yeah, yeah. So our gym's going viral at the moment. Who who wrote the hucker? Uh nah. So one of the boys who he's a Maori and he got it was getting his black belt and he's like real hearty Maori. Yep. And then uh, one of the other boys was going around asking um, who knows the hucker and like if you know Kamate or Tikatonu, which are pretty standard huckers. Yep. CJ, you know Tikatonu as well, eh? And do you know Kamate? Yeah, like they're the two standard ones. So yeah. if anyone knows them, like you've got no choice, but you have to, you have to jump in. You, you just you can memorize the the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're 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 like the anthem. Like they're yeah. they're uh, locked in your. It's like uh, a war cry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so you remember that shit forever. Because people don't understand what a hucker is. They think nah. the hucker, then they think the All Blacks, mm. and they think there's one hucker. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like thousands of huckers. Oh. And it was pretty funny, like in the comments on this, because uh, everyone at our gym, they frothed it. Like Brazilians, they don't get to see that stuff often. Like growing up in New Zealand, I feel like we did huckers all the time yeah. for sport and school and things like that. Yeah. So seeing the Brazilians like filming it and they were like all about it. And in this uh, magazine and the Instagram page on the comments, it's all these uh, Brazilians, not from our gym, that are going like, oh, turning it into a TikTok circus. Uh and yeah, it's real wild. It's like, whoa, Ooh. these guys don't realize it's like a cultural. Ooh. And they're like, uh, oh, I lost respect for jujitsu. I'm going oh. back to judo. What and the? it's like, what the fuck? And Grow it's, up. It's pretty cool though, seeing all the Brazilians from our gym in the comments yeah. with like a fucking, you know, 30 paragraph yeah, response in Brazilian. Them. And I'll, re- I'll uh, translate it. And it's like, man, they're defending like <laughs> New Zealanders so hard. It's so cool. I remember when I was at Shirley, like we had a Shirley boys haka and I still remember it. And the kid leading it was this big uh, Irish kid, like he was pale white <laughs> and ginger, and he was he was in my grade. He was in my class. And there's a line. It's like ah, katakuna ora kangarurue, and you scream it. And he's like, ah, oh, God, that's okay. In front of the whole school. <laughs> oh, man. Like, all boys school. Shirley, he did not have a good year that year. <laughs> oh, that was my biggest fear when I was younger doing huckers. Screaming it and just- Cracking yeah, a high. Cracking <laughs> it high. So will you get teased if you don't have a really deep voice when you perform it? You just get teased in general at an all boys school. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're him and you're white and overweight and ginger. <laughs> so it's Aww. a, a Meg, huckers are, huck, like Thomas said before, it's a war dance. It's like a, it's a thing you do before you go to war or like you go to battle. And that's why New Zealand sports teams and lots of the Pacific Island nations, uh, they've got their own yes. renditions of a hucker. Yeah. So if you did it at school and it wasn't before a sports game, why would you do it? Like, Well, I did cup of hucker uh, all through primary and intermediate school. Mm-hmm. So there was like a, 
that's just where you go and how, what, how do you describe Kapaka? Yeah, I mean, it's just carrying on the culture, really. Yeah, it's keeping, a cultural club. Keeping the culture alive. Yeah, okay. so you learn Maori songs, like Waitas. That's mm-hmm. what a song is. And you learn like hakas and yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's it's actually interesting coming to a place like Australia, which shares a very similar history, but far more broken mm-hmm. and seeing the cultural disconnection. Like how integrated Maori culture is in New Zealand versus how softly integrated uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture is here. Mm. It's very much like a, a slap in the face afterthought here for the most part. Yeah. Mm. Which is why there's so much controversy around it all the time. Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about. <laughs> no, it's funny though, because I was talking to David about this the other day. Yeah. Um, and I was talking about how like Kiwis, or well, New Zealand embraces its heritage. Like you sing the national anthem in Māori before you sing it in, in mm. English. Um, every single Kiwi, I, I don't want to like, every Kiwi knows what kia ora means. Every, yeah. Yeah. Like everybody yeah, well, knows some kind of Māori. Like, the national news starts off with kia ora instead of like good mm. evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. All right. What do you guys... Uh, yeah, I haven't been up to much. Sorry, Tom, bro. <laughs> I always do that. My bad. What have you been up to, Tom, bro? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like Meg talked more about what I've been up to than what <laughs> she's been up to. Yeah, uh, why were, so why were you in Tassie? Just another APL comp. Just doing the te- technical director things. Doing the rounds. Yeah, that's the last one. That's the actual last travel for the year. You've said that about thirty yeah. times. Yeah, but this We've is this is probably the last one. Probably the last <laughs> one. This is the last one. This is the last one. Uh, so it's nice, to, nice to be home for a little while and um, have some weekends off at some stage. Not this weekend. We got Christmas Cup, mm. uh, but this week has been a big week. We're prepping for the app dropping on Monday. Excuse me, and I've timed that with uh, Wales opens on Monday. Exciting. So both both big big moves in the zero world, uh, which is really exciting. So the the foundation memberships for Wales drop this morning about four a.m. our time. Uh, so they're starting to fill up. It's it's going to be interesting over there because what we're doing is very different to what Wales or what the UK has seen in terms of powerlifting, and with that comes a bit of a cultural shift with gyms, just like it did for us. And part of that is pricing, like the where we set ourselves apart for what we do at zero, and as a result, we charge what we're worth, and a lot of gyms just don't, and so. We are not expensive for what we are, not in any sense of the word. Uh, we're very affordable. You know, like this, this gym's uh, cheapest membership is still less than a coffee a day. And it's the same in Wales. Uh, but when you compare it to what people are used to, it, it can be hard to see that. And it's no different to like when we first started getting mobile phones, they were cheap as hell. And now a mobile phone is like $2,000, but you don't bat an eyelid because you're like, I need this or it's in a category of one. So it'll be interesting to see the culture shift and how quickly that takes hold in Wales, what Jordan's doing there, because I'm sure you guys are starting to see more and more of the gym. We've purposely held back from showing the gym until we're at this point. So now we can bleed out more and more videos and photos of what it actually looks like. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an incredible place put a lot of heart and soul into that place so it looks absolutely amazing yeah looking forward mm. to it coming alive i wish it was easily accessible and i wish i had enough money so i could be like hey i want to fly the whole team over there and just so you guys can see what zero is doing in other places but i can't do that <laughs> <laughs> good luck <laughs> that's it yeah nice um all right what are you guys grateful for Meg. Meg. 
I start? I wrote it down because I had some notes. I'm grateful for training because I've been reflecting or pondering the last couple of weeks about some of the things that I've tried in the last couple of years. Um, Don't read my notes. (laughs) I've tried a whole bunch of things that maybe four or five years uh, ago I would never dare to try because of either looking kind of silly doing it or just not being a master like not mastering it um I've tried running I've tried drumming I've tried karate started a business and I don't think without training I would have had the confidence to do it it's not all due to it but it definitely plays a very big role nice nice so I'm grateful nice. for training good dog um, I am grateful for my friends. So this year I'm not really going to have much family around for Christmas. So we're doing an orphan's Christmas with my friends at their new house. So, yeah, I'm just grateful for them and have them in my life. They're amazing. Very nice. Yeah. James? Um, kind of similar to what Meg's one. Uh, I've been injured. I'm always injured. Um, so I'm injured again. But I got the doctors today, so hopefully I can go get a scan and see yeah, if sweet. I've got a hernia. I don't know. But um, I'm grateful for... I feel really good for 32 years old, even though I'm always a little bit tight, a little bit stiff. I'm like, I feel good. When I go to jujitsu and I see other 35-year-olds, 33-year-olds, I'm like, fuck, I'm in good shape. Not like physically, like not beauty standard-wise, but like, I'm like, man, I get to do a lot. Like these guys complain about being old and I still feel like I enjoy like the tough roles of the 20-year-olds. I enjoy still being able to move fast and be strong and things like that. So... Yeah, I'm just grateful for my body. Yeah, mm. nice. I wish I could say the same for mine. <laughs> same here. <laughs> like, there's a couple old guys at jiu-jitsu, and I'm like, fuck, this guy's 51, and he's still doing the wrestling classes. And, like, wrestling's fucking brutal. Like, um, and I just see this guy's 51 years old, and I'm like, this guy shows up every week and gets fucking pumped by, like, you know, 20-year-old freaks, and, mm. and he loves it. Mm. Mm. Uh, this is weird, but I'm grateful for the internet. It's pretty crazy. When you think about it, mm. Mm. like we didn't have it before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, I can't imagine what it would be like trying to grow and scale a business if we were doing this 30 years ago. Mm. Like, I wouldn't have Jordan opening Wales because all of that happened. Our connection happened online. Mm. That wouldn't have just come about without that. Which is crazy to think. Mm. Well, you could argue every connection here is from online. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah that's how people find us. And, and I don't know. It's easy to forget. Like, you would, re- you guys would remember driving around trying to find a place and using a Refidex. Yeah. <laughs> What's like, that? You don't know what a Refidex is? No. Okay, so you guys would remember. <laughs> you know the maps? Mm. Like, a, every car had a book of the maps. That was your GPS. It was the hell on earth. Mm. Like I suppose you're young enough to have grown up in the age where most people had GPSs like Garmin's in their car. Do you know what I did? So I'd always go on Google uh, on the internet first before I'd leave home. And you know, it'll say turn left here, turn right here. And, print and I'd write directions or? I'd write that down. Oh my mm. gosh. And then I'd get in my car and if I got lost, I'd pull over to servo. I'm talking about like before Google. I remember when Google Earth dropped. Do you guys remember that? No. Nah. When Google Earth dropped, like it was before Google Maps and it was just like a satellite and you could like zoom in and find your house and stuff and it was like, mm. it was unreal, like satellite photographs. Uh, but yeah, like driving around with a Refidex and quickly having to filter and like 
you know, on the edge of the page, it's like go to page 240 and then quickly flipping the 240 yeah. and then trying to memorize all the turns you're going to take and all the street names. Holy crap. We're weak now. Oh. Well, that's what we were talking about that this morning with Oscar about uh, the Optus being down. Mm. And I was talking about how like someone's family member died and they didn't know. And Oscar, yeah. do you know what Oscar said? He goes, yeah, but you got to remember like 30 years ago, that was normal. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. Mm. He's like, we're just so connected now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, it's not that big a deal. And I'm like, yeah, kind of like it's weird, but it kind of, I'm not trying to sound insensitive, but it isn't like, because back then that was just normal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Did anyone see the video of the chick getting hit in the eye by the magpie? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see it? Nah. So you guys Still haven't, haven't seen it yet. Oh. It goes oh, like the claw gets in the eyelid and kind of just for a split second, you see it get pulled <sighs> out and she's not expecting it at all. She's just walking around doing her own thing. Oh, Surely it's going to pop up. I don't think it's a magpie. It's another bird that's similar to a magpie. Like a bellbird. Maybe like a peewee. Is that what it's called? Yeah, there's peewees. Mm. How'd she get it on camera? She must have been just filming, herself. filming herself for something else. Vlogging. And what? Well, I ripped what? it. Oh. Do you see it? But wait, well, wait till it shows the actual. Can you scroll back on the reel right to the start so you can see it like in her eyeball? Yeah, it's right at the very start. It does it fast and it does it in super slow-mo. Look how deep it goes in. <laughs> how wild is that? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Insane. Oh, That's why I'm so scared. Have you ever been, you've been swooped, eh? Yeah, heaps of times. At my old house, which also happens to be where Eli and Laura live now, mm. there's this one resident bird every summer, autumn, winter, maybe spring. Mm-hmm. It that, just that's when they swoop. <laughs> it feels like you're getting smacked in the head, eh? Oh, my mm. God. It's so hard. We had one that lived in our street in Bundaberg when I was a teenager. And we used to ride our bikes and it hated us when it we were on the bike. So we'd have to you. jump off and then slowly wheel the bike home. But then it'd spot us. And the amount of times we just dumped our bikes and <gasps> ran. Yeah. So it's crazy. so scary. But then my mum and dad have like these little wild like pet ones <laughs> that come into the yard every year with their babies and they Aww. feed them cat biscuits. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rochelle got swooped and got messed yeah. up on yeah. the bike a while ago. I remember that. She's got bad fear of birds. We mm. were we were somewhere not too long ago and I was following them back to a back to the car and a tiny little like finch flew up and landed oh. on a fence like thirty meters away and she fully like flinched and ducked. Oh yeah, she's got proper PTSD. She's scared of the I birds. I don't blame her. Yeah, she uh. said a bird got into their house once, into their apartment, oh. and she couldn't get it out. She had oh. to wait for Daniel to get home. That's oh. so funny. They used to always come down our chimney in New Zealand. Really? Yeah. I don't know if they do it here, but we used to always get birds stuck in the fireplace. And then you open it and it's all ashy. So they fly out and ash goes everywhere and then like hits all the walls. And it's a bit of a debacle. I'm just laughing because I'm imagining Rochelle like proper losing it. And then Daniel just being so calm about it. (laughs) What? There's a bird in the house. Just try to get it out. (laughs) Just hyperlogical. All right. I'll kick off the quotes. I've got a Bruce Lee quote. Oh, Oh, nice. I fear not the man who has practiced 10,000 kicks once but I fear the man who has practiced one kick 10,000 times. Oh, wow. CJ's, CJ's loving that. I saw yeah, CJ's face light him, up. Eh? He's doing a little bit of away. shadow boxing right now too. <laughs> <laughs> Brought back some old memes. <laughs> All right. Thomas, you go. No, 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 because mine's like a, a video. That oh, I can, okay. You must understand. I'll read mine if you want. Suffering is an inescapable <laughs> element of human experience. 
Therefore, it's not the suffering itself that distinguishes the strong from the weak. Rather, it is the response to suffering. Yes. Ooh. Complaining, yes. they believed, is the crutch of the sick mind, a fruitless expression of self-pity. Yes. Yeah, right. Nice. I knew you were looking for it before because when your video played, it said suffering. I was like, he's <laughs> looking for it quite right now. No, no, no. I saved this a little while ago. Oh, that's a good one. All right, like Gidge. Uh, may your choices reflect your hopes and not your fears. Nice. Very good. Mine's by Viola Davis, that um, actress from, is it How to Get Away with Murder or that one? Yeah. Um, loving yourself is the greatest seed you can plant for yourself. Yes. That's my quote. Nice. nice. Self-love things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Got a few topics here. Tom bro. Hello. <laughs> you want to kick us off? So, big news in powerlifting. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, it's with a very heavy heart that I express that APU has uh, fallen apart. Oh, no. It's sad. Uh, no, that's the big hot powerlifting news in the last couple of weeks. APU pulling their affiliation from the IPF. Uh, and, I mean, it is actually very sad because this is the second time in four years where a whole bunch of lifters completely innocent in the entire situation are now displaced, confused, disheartened. Uh, and it's sad because as someone whose heart is built around building powerlifting, building powerlifters, uh, improving the sport and growing the sport, it's such an unnecessary outcome that affects the lifters. Like This is the thing. Like Powerlifting Federation should be built around the lifter and two times in a row, the IPF Australian affiliate has built been built around money and greed. And when it's built around money and greed without the lifter at the fore focus, it is doomed to fail. And when it does eventually fail... Yeah, sure. The the people at the top get affected. Who cares? It's the lifters that get affected the most. And that sucks. Sucks big time. So it is actually sad news. Um, there's a silver lining, which is there's already a group of people banding together to try and set up a new IPF affiliate, which means the lifters that are affected, especially those that... Uh, and I'm not trying to... Um, minimize the feelings of the other lifters but especially those who are true world championship contenders trying to get to worlds in 2024 they need qualifying totals they need national qualifiers to be able to get to worlds and they need an ipf affiliate to be a team to get to worlds uh, so it's good that there's people banding together to make that happen because those people arguably lose out the most in this situation uh, so it's good that that's happening my strong advice would be to whoever ends up taking over this new affiliate is that you don't make the mistakes of the past and do so out of spite, uh, that you don't try and stick it to whoever was previous, but you do it truly with the heart of the lifter in mind. What do you guys think? Um, it was just a matter of time, I thought. Uh huh. Um, I actually competed in the APU. Yeah. In like 2018 or 2017. Yeah. I mean, we basically ran their meet. <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about you that You didn't one. compete at that one, but yeah. You, yeah. One of the first meets that they ran, uh, we, we basically ran it for them. Mm. We it's were all the spotters and loaders. We were all the competitors. <laughs> mm. It's sad because my first exposure to powerlifting was through like IPF uh, content and, you know, I followed IPF powerlifters. So I'm a massive fan of the IPF and it's just sad that in Australia they haven't been able to get it right. 
Um, I can't speak for other countries and how they run their uh, affiliates, um, but I've only heard bad things about, unfor- not only bad things, um, but yeah, it's just sad that they this has happened again. Because like you said, ultimately it's the lifter that suffers. Yeah. All these guys are just competing in a federation. Uh, they don't care about the politics of it. Like you said, they just want to go to Worlds. They want to go to IPF Worlds. That's the gold standard for uh, what they believe is the gold standard for drug-free powerlifting. For sure. For sure. And, and uh, it's, not even, it's not about bashing the IPF for a start. That's mm. not what this conversation is about. Uh, and... It's certainly not that the IPF in Australia was bad. It was just bad leadership because we know personally plenty of people who own gyms just like this, who have run IPF meets that run great meets and do a great job of growing powerlifting and support the sport and have a heart for the lifter. They're just completely hamstrung by the terrible leadership. Uh, And again, we know this firsthand because if anyone follows me and saw my story about our experience with uh, the IPF Oceanias in 2018 and how how we went in with such a big heart to make it happen uh, and it was just a shambles and, and it, it turned out to almost be a disaster. It was just crazy. Wait, was that the comp at... Uh, at uh, Runaway Bay Sports Centre. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what a nightmare. Yeah. Um, I think I went there with you. You did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's where Jezza put up a photo of us. Yeah. <laughs> Jezza, Jezza posted the photo. Normally it's us tagging people like that, but he's like, yeah, I met my Australian friends, Thomas and James. I like, this guy's like, you know, this guy's fucking... At what? the time, like one number one or two in, in the world. Yeah, not many people had squatted over 400 in sleeves yeah. then, and yeah. he was one of them. He front squatted 400. Yeah, but I was so excited. I was like, Jezza, like, oh, we've got to get a photo. We got a photo, me and Tombro got a photo with him, and he's the one that posted it. Because <laughs> <laughs> then he's like, oh, and on my phone? I was like... What? <laughs> yeah, it was. Very, I, I, I get in uh, in a couple of minds about talking about this stuff because right now my my knee jerk reaction is I want to tell the whole story of that competition and everything that happened. I gave a small taste of it on my story the other day. Like obviously, it's hard to write everything out. At the same time, I don't want to use this as an opportunity to just appear like I'm bashing anyone or hating on anyone. But then, where I ultimately end up when I think about this stuff is one of the biggest issues in PA is that it was common knowledge that people were getting fucked over by Wilkes on the regular. It was common knowledge of how poorly he was treating so many people, of how badly he was talking about people. and No one said anything. And then when it all went down, a few people spoke out, but mostly people just spoke behind the scenes saying, oh yeah, it was so bad. But no one was doing anything about it. And then we thought from the outside looking in, that this would change when these stories started coming out about APU. And still no one said anything. And in the last two weeks or the last week when all of this has been down, I've had so many people, like Meg will tell you how attached to my phone I've been because it's been blowing up about all of this stuff. I've had so many people telling me about their experiences and I'm like, why are you telling me? You should be putting this out to everyone so everyone knows. All of this stuff should be shared around. And again, not for the purpose of bashing the individual uh, or the individuals that were at the heart of this, but for the point of illustrating that this happened twice. This happened twice and it shouldn't have happened twice. And the reason it happened twice is because no one's speaking up. So if you've got a story to tell, tell your story. How you use your words to frame it will, will you know, change the impact of the point of the story. 
And if you need help with that, reach out. I'm happy to help you write something out. But for sure, tell the story of your experience so people have some context of why this happened and why it should never happen again. What I like about, um, is it the ALPA? Is that what it's called? APLA. APLA. What I like from the people that you've told me are involved, I can already see that um, those people there, uh, from the people that I do know, like they seem like good people. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I feel like it might be a step in the right direction, but. It definitely has the potential to be. Mm. Uh, and, and let me give you a bit of a history lesson. For those who don't know, so a lot of people don't know that when, when Wilkes got booted out, there was a small group, similar to what's happening with the APLA, there was a small group of people that were banding together to start a new IPF in Australia to take over from PA. And I was one of those people. There was a group of five of us that agreed and started the talks and started setting everything up. Uh, I don't want to name who else was in that group. Um, Sean was involved. I will say that much. Uh, and two of us, myself and another party, raised a very gentle point about like, this is all great. We need to do this. However, our motivation cannot be spite and cannot be money. And we got absolutely destroyed for even bringing that up. And both of us immediately said, if this is the response, we don't want a part of this. Because if these people are coming in with that sort of attitude, the whole thing will be built on the wrong motivation. And that's what happened. That's what happened. It could have been a, a really positive thing. Uh, so it's really sad to see how it's gone down again, not for the organization, because I don't care about that. Don't care how harsh that sounds. I don't care about the organization. I care about the lifters. And I don't care what organization lifters lift in. I want them to have the best experience possible. And it's sad that people haven't been able to experience that with what's meant to be the premier federation in the world. Mm. Sucks. Really sucks. However, APL is great, so come along. <laughs> How good. Um, it's interesting, though, like from the outside looking in as well. Like you said, there's, there's a lot of great people involved with this group. Uh, and I, bear in mind, I don't know everything. I, kn I know a lot. I probably know more than the average powerlifter about what's going on right now. Uh, but I'm not going to pretend to know everything. What I will say is it's one thing to be a bunch of good people with good motivations it's another thing to put together a functional federation. And I know this very well because I've been behind the scenes watching and assisting Daniel do it with APL. Uh, I'd go a step further and say it's a nightmare. So <laughs> um, setting up everything involved, I'd like to hope that IPF has standardized procedures in place where they can plug and play, but you still need people power. You still need the right sense of communication, business acumen, to be able to run a thing like this and it's a lot harder than what you think. So, because I'm not too familiar, I don't really understand how the IPF model works. But, um, so essentially, isn't it just, are we just going to run into the same problems I have though, even with a good leader here in Australia? In terms of what? Um, the corruption that leaks down from the top, like with money and all these extra fees and... Not necessarily. Not um, because a lot of that stuff is pre-programmed by existing models. Uh, and so th there, there are holes in, in models and a lot of these things have been like copied and pasted across federations. So let me give you an example. Uh, I personally know the distributor of SBD in Israel and who is now the president and owner of the IPF affiliate, uh, affiliate in Israel. And he is 100% about the lifter. 
He he's his his name's Jenya Shapira. Look him up on Instagram. Um, he's built powerlifting from nothing basically in Israel. It existed before, but very poorly. And he did my coach development. He's done heaps of education and coaching and in powerlifting, and has a real heart for the lifter. Uh, if you think zero and and the model that we've done here is is good, very similar over there with what he's done in terms of building powerlifting from the ground up. And so he is very lifter focused and essentially they give guidance around how to structure things and how to do things financially, but it's his company. He's got the freedom. Mm-hmm. So as long as they're adhering to IPF rules, it's all good. And they can do the same here. There's, there's nothing in the rule book that says the Federation must take this much off lifters. And like th- these are the kind of stories that I am happy to share. So I've spoken with a lot of people on the phone in the last couple of weeks. I've had a lot of calls uh, I've received a lot of information and one thing that if you follow me for a little while you know I'm passionate about is the fact that people, the, the, how the IPF has been set up in Australia and, and several other countries really hamstrings small businesses like ours in the sense that if we were an IPF affiliate gym we would not be allowed to run other federation comps they bend the rules on that with some gyms for some reason but for the most part, they're, they're pretty, they've got the hammer down in terms of you can't run novice comps, you can't run other federation comps. If you're then tied to that federation for the competitions, as coaches, you're probably going to get all your lifters to go to that federation. And then you're tied in again in the sense that it's really hard for you to coach lifters outside of that federation because you're not allowed to go to their comps and vice versa. They're not allowed to come to your comps in terms of like they can come and watch, yes but you can't go handle, you can't uh, officiate, you can't ref, you can't spot and load. All of that is like very, very, very specific to the IPF individual affiliates. And it hasn't always been like that because a lot of individual countries never never had that. So I used to go to New Zealand and ref, uh, sorry, and coach all the time backstage, all the time. And I was allowed to be a member without any any penalty or punishment, even though I wasn't allowed to do so here. And it's, it's part of why Wilkes hates me because I used to break the system. I used to coach, coach Australian lifters at international comps by signing up in New Zealand. So I was a New Zealand IPF member, which means Wilkes couldn't touch me, but he knew who I was and hated me because of it and just didn't like that I was using loopholes. Wilkes used to make people take off, turn their t-shirts inside out if they had like another federation. No, so uh, that, that's an actual rule. Uh, so clubs, you're mm-hmm. not allowed to represent clubs at meets I think it's national or higher, mm-hmm. but they used to, again, put the hammer down where that wasn't a rule. Mm. So you'd go to the local comp and be like, no, no, you can't wear that. It's, it's, not, a, it's not an improved club. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And if, if you were a known club of a gym that they didn't like, like Zero or PTC, you would double down on, on you, would, you just had a target on your back. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, coming back to uh, the whole thing. So not only are you hamstrung in terms of you get locked into everything has to be under the federation, which that part isn't actually all that bad. What's really bad is you think of the growth of this gym has been heavily, heavily supported by the size of our competitions because we get the money from competitions. So to give you an idea of just facts and figures, this year's Christmas Cup, which is a drug-tested competition, we're running at $130 per person and we sold out at 150 lifters. So do the maths on that, 150 times 130, that comes to this gym. And we used it, we bought two more combos. Uh, you know, that's what we do with the money that comes in. We reinvest into the gym. That's a lot of money. 
you know, 100, 130 times 150, it's a lot of money. You know, it's over $10,000. Uh, there was a state championships in Australia that ended up being in the same place. And I think they had 144 lifters. That person walked away with less than $3,000. And you guys know firsthand the amount of time, energy, and effort that goes into setting up a comp. And there are costs involved. Like costs involved in... Uh, you know, some people pay their volunteers. Some people provide trophies. all the food, trophies, everything. There's, there's costs involved, uh, and time costs, dress costs, wear and tear on equipment. There's hidden costs as well, and they make nothing out of it, and it's all swept under the rug or painted out to the rest of the community like a lie. So the the federation lies and says we only take thirty five dollars per lifter. It's like okay, well, you take thirty five, uh, but that person ended up with like fifteen dollars per lifter. And the entry fee was like 150 or something, you know, over 100 bucks. Where did the rest of the money go? That's a question that everyone should be asking. It's like, what happened to all of this money? Where does it go? And the way that these federations are set up uh, as an IPF is as a not-for-profit organization. So there's no tax on it. They don't pay any tax. The only way you can take money out of a not-for-profit organization is either by buying assets or paying staff. So it's like, what assets have you bought? Where are those assets? I know there's like combo racks, comp plates, but the amount of money that's coming in just from memberships in that silly coaching course alone in the last year, it's almost $200,000 in revenue. So what are the staff getting paid? How much are they getting paid? When they go and travel to competitions, where are they staying? Where are they eating? These are the questions that should be boiling through everyone's mind and the questions that people need to keep in their mind moving forward um, because... Uh, it could very well happen again. I really hope it doesn't. I'd be, tr I'd be faithful in the people that I know are behind it, the new one at the moment, that it won't happen. Uh, but keeping people accountable is what needs to happen. And the people at the top need to do the reverse. They need to stay accountable and show what they're doing with the money. Because that's ultimately what led to this all, all falling apart in the recent AGM is stuff around finances that just simply wasn't being shown. Mm. Damn, I got deep. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, real deep. Take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to get off your chest? I could honestly talk for the next two or three hours, so <laughs> I, I don't want to go too hard on it. Um, I'll, I know I shouldn't like cross-promote, but I'll do a peak speak with John about this as well, and we'll go pretty hard on it. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell my full, like, sordid story where it all begins with the past with... 2015 and Wilkes and why why I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Damn, got to tune into that one. Yeah. I remember when I because when I first got uh, came to zero PTC, and I remember you telling me how like uh, back then you're like yeah no he doesn't like me and you couldn't do this and I was like what the fuck yeah really just pigeonholed you into a did you ever get exposed to it like when when Banya joined up and yeah like on when you joined. PA back in the day, it would ask you who your coach is and where you train. Mm. And anyone that put my name down would get a phone call straight away, straight from Wilkes. Like this is this is how pathetic these people are. Would get a phone call straight away and be like, they're pirates, they're drug dealers, they're murderers, they're, they're fucking criminals. I'm like, what? I'm just a little boy trying to run a gym, man. Mm. Look. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> None of those describing words that he called you are as bad as what he is. Oh, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then, so then with the APU, they just replaced fucking Wilkes, 
Wilkes 2.0. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, the way I've always kind of seen it, like a major difference is that Wilkes is well off. Wilkes mm. has money. Uh, whereas I, I think the new leadership that came in didn't. And so there was always this sense of desperation. This like real hunger for power and control and desperation. Uh, that's how it appeared from the outside looking in and, and from what I've heard and experienced personally, uh, which is just a recipe for disaster. All right. Next topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, training. Keep, keeping it lighthearted. <laughs> training goals for 2024. Wait, what, what was, did, did Meg say the personal development once? Wait, sorry. I copied and pasted it. I might've got it wrong. Sorry, Meg. Oh, yeah, we'll do that one first. I've I've, got that next. I think that's a good one. Yeah, that's next on the list. All right, so... So we'll go training goals first? Yeah, training goals for 2024. My goal is to just be able to train pain-free again, and I am getting there. Nice. Mm. It's a myth. (laughs) Nice. Pain-free is a myth. (laughs) Have the same goal for 13 years. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder that. Is this where it's all starting and it's just going to be downhill? Start putting a little tally on a chalkboard (laughs) as each year goes by. (laughs) Just for the record, we're not all permanently injured, by the way. I think we hammered up a little bit too much. Oh, that's that's definitely for comical, like, relief. Yeah, Yeah, just in case people are watching and being like, oh, I'm not getting coached by these guys. (laughs) They're always broken. Uh, Meg, what are your training goals for 2024? Uh... Continue to do my SPD, get stronger, and I really want to double down on just like hypertrophy in my lower body. Um, I did focus on that this year, but I was a little bit held back with my hip, and sometimes I just felt like I could not train to the intensity I wanted to. And so next year, that's the goal. Nice, really Good double goals. down. Mm. Great goals. Uh, for me, I, I'm I'm pretty hungry to go 900 finally raw, nice. just to close out my raw lifting career. Like I can. I'm not. I'm not really pushing squat bench deadlift at the moment. I I didn't train it since my equipped comp, and I've brought it back in the last two blocks, uh, just very gently. Um, and my my hips just got a very clear expiry date on it. Uh, and I just want to get 900 out before I before I hit that point. So I know it's a ticking time bomb, but I'm also confident I can get there, and I really want to get it next year. I feel like it's it's that's very achievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think you'll scrape 900. You'll uh, you'll blow past it. Well, that yeah. I mean, like that's that's my hope is that not only will I tick 900 off. I've actually got a, a bigger number in mind that I wanna that I wanna hit at the comp based on what I am pretty sure I'm capable of. I can I say what I reckon you're good for? What? Healthy Tombro. We'll squat 370, 375. You know, I reckon I could have at one point. I I think with how regressed my hip has been in the last two or three years that I, I'll be happy to match what I've done before. 345? 350. 350. In my head, I'll be happy with it. Nah, because you do that so easy though. I've never done it. <laughs> no, but like when you squatted like three... Uh, 345. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 210 bench. I reckon I can get there. And then uh, I'm going to say about 365, 370 deadlift. I, I'm pretty confident I can push my deadlift. Mm. That, that's where I'm hoping my saving grace is. You've never made a deadlift look hard. You'll just not pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's called being a baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> solid. That's my training goal. That's cool. What about yours? Um, I want to 
just compete more in jujitsu. Nice. Mm. I'm really loving it. I'm really enjoying it. Um, yeah, get to get to feel like an athlete again doing that. So I just want to compete more. I want to like, yeah, compete more. Any upcoming competitions that you're thinking about doing? No, nah, I'm always injured. Like mm. I've always been injured this year <laughs> for the comps I wanted to do. Um, and nah, not really. Just do the same comp again that I did this year. And then hopefully I'm injury free by then. Mm-hmm. But that's all I want to do, just compete more. Mm. Nice. Well, I reckon this thing you've got going on now, based on my experience with, I mean, obviously you're working with professionals, mm-hmm. uh, but should be should be an easy workaround. I don't yeah. I don't think it's going to be long till you're back to 100. percent Sweet. Yeah. Nah. Nice. Yeah. That's that's all I got. All nice. right. Um. So Meg had a topic. Um. Where is it? So, what did you work on this year that you're proud of? And what will we work on moving forward? So not training or career-wise? So not related to training or career? Yeah. yeah. More just like yourself. Self-development. Mm. Yeah, I'd mm. love to hear you guys go first because I have my answer, but I don't want that to impact how you, yeah. might, you might create your answer. I worked on being a more tolerant person and just trying to be a better person overall. You're the most tolerant person <laughs> in the world. Because uh, I've been working hard In a, in a good it. way. In I've been working really hard on it. Um, I used to be a little bit impatient like back in the day and I used to get quite fiery sometimes and I've been working really hard on that the past few years to be more accepting of other people and the way they are and not trying to change people and yeah just trying to work on being a better person myself. What does being a better person mean? Because like if you were a murderer a better murderer would be murdering Someone who more doesn't. people. <laughs> so like That's what, true. You know what I mean? Like mm. what, what actual aspects do you see as – What's a good person, Bridget? Be, being a better person than what you already are. Just helping other people. Helping other people as much as you can. Mm-hmm. That's what it means to me. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of um, hostility in the world now, especially online, and everyone's always arguing with each other. Just yeah. being kinder to people. That's the bottom line. Just be kind. Mm. Yeah. That's what I'm working on. Um. One thing I work really hard on, and I have actually been working maybe the last two years, is being more empathetic. Mm. I actually always talk about this to you, mm. like trying to be more empathetic. Mm-hmm. My initiate uh, reaction a lot of the times is just anger or like frustration mm. rather than coming, like looking at it through a different lens and thinking, all right, why are they feeling like this or why are they going through this and trying to understand why they're feeling certain emotions or why they're reacting to a situation the way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to be a little bit more empathetic. Mm. You've been doing a really good job of it as well. Because I'm, I'm just super mindful of it now. Mm. Like when someone says something, instead of just being like, oh, well, fuck, why don't you do this? Or I always come up with a, that's something I used to do really bad is when someone will say something like, hey, uh, this is just, I'm, this is an example, but for reference, someone will be like, hey, I've been feeling a little bit uh, depressed lately. My old response would be like, well, what do you do? Like, you need to go for a walk. Trying to you, find a solution straight away. Mm. Yeah, rather than like understanding. And Some people them. just want a listening ear. Because mm. mm. whenever I act like that, the, the they always go, oh, I just wanted to talk. I'm like, oh, mm. you fucking idiot, James. Oh. <laughs> mm. yeah, but there's nothing wrong with trying to find a solution either. That's your way of trying to help somebody. Mm. Yeah, but mm. it comes across so condescending. It depends on how you word it. Yeah, it's just timing as and well. Messaging is so much harder th- to convey how you're feeling than like mm. a voice. Mm. as well so if they're an 100%. online client can come across differently the best thing to do in those circumstances 
in my experience anyway, is to not say the solution, but ask questions to help them find their own solution mm. mm-hmm. or to get them thinking about a solution. Yeah. Because if you, if you just say it, it just sounds like you know everything and just mm. telling them what to do rather than if they actually come to it themselves, then they've probably got more reason to go and do something about it. Mm. Uh, for me, it's just communication in all aspects, just trying to learn how to communicate better so hear people better not just like listen to the words they're saying but hear what they're actually saying and then use my language to get a message across in a way that makes sense to that person Uh, and i don't just mean in like personal relationships but all aspects whether it's like relationship business relationship friendship sales sales is a big one just every aspect uh, you know everything that we do revolves around good communication and i just want to keep getting better at that Uh, uh, what you guys just said is that the first element like what you're proud of from this year or what you want to work on because the language was real present like that's what i'm working on at the moment yeah i thought that's what we were saying what something that we're yeah you're Mm. just gone yeah mine's both yeah same oh okay continue to work on it as well into the new year okay wip work in progress yes wip next um proud of this year setting more boundaries for myself and being selective of who i allow access to to me and um leaning into you know working normal hours but not feeling like a piece of shit about it like being like okay it's okay to not feel like i'm hustling all the time and actually mean it not sit down and pretend that i'm relaxed but allow myself to feel that that's a good one that's what i'm proud of working on this year I love both of those, Meg. That's really cool. Mm. And next year? Next year, I want to work on feeling feelings because I'm a very feely person. But if I feel an emotion that I perceive to be bad, you know, anger or uh, sadness, I feel guilty about feeling them. And I think feeling feelings is a good thing. So I want to lean into it more without getting my, getting angry at myself for feeling the feeling. Love it. Mm. Absolutely love it. Nice. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Next year, like what we want to work on next year. Mm. Mm. I don't know. I just want to keep going along the way I am. Yeah. Probably I'll double down on what Thomas said. I want to be a better communicator. So I'm really going to focus hard on that mm. in the new year. Mm. When it comes to work, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get better at it. Better at sales. Better at talking to people. I'm good when it comes to chit chat and like listening to people but I'm really bad with um I'm really bad with words I have trouble articulating what it is that I want to say yeah okay I really want to work on that yeah Mm -hmm. I relate in the moment like later on you know exactly what you might have wanted to say absolutely if I've got time to write it down 100% yeah but yeah on the spot yeah it's something I've got to work on yeah Mm. um I think just trying to be a little bit more uh Calm. I admire people that are very calm and not very reactive in like a negative way. You're um, getting really good at it. Nah. You are. <laughs> like I'm just trying to be more calm. Because yeah. uh, when, I, when I think, when I daydream about like, you know, you'll daydream about like the life you want to live or the person you want to be. In my like daydreams, I'm very calm. You, and mm. you don't mean internalizing stuff and not projecting. You mean like if something happens, I actually feel neutral yeah, or yeah yeah rather than re uh you know reacting emotionally like straight away or sure mm. yep 
I don't know how to sound say mine without sounding like a dick. Say it. I think I need to work on finding a balance between humility and ego. Humility mm-hmm. and ego. Because I feel like I don't have enough ego. And from like a utilitarian perspective, you need to be able to talk about your thing in order to be able to sell it. And so like I'm not really good. I'm getting better at pumping up zero. Mm-hmm. But I'm definitely not good at pumping up my own role in zero. And there's been times where I have to. And it makes me feel very uncomfortable and weird. Yeah. And I think I need to learn how to find the words to say my role in a way that doesn't make me feel like I'm bragging or something. Well, even outside of work, it's good to be proud of yourself or take a compliment and not and not say, nah, like, don't mm. be silly. And that doesn't mean having an ego. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Because ego is a good thing, right? Mm. Ego is just your your view of yourself. Ego is just you. Yeah. And I I don't think much of me. So what I'm saying is I need to find more value in myself for the sake of being able to build what I'm trying to build. Is it self-worth more than ego? Like is ego the right word? I think ego is the right word. Yeah? Okay. I'm happy with ego. Okay. (laughs) I know my worth. (laughs) (laughs) No, I understand that. I feel like what you've done already and where you are now, it's just come from more exposure to, you know, like you said, you're getting good at really pumping up zero and APL and things like that. I feel like you've just gone to a point now where you've done it so many times it's natural and doesn't feel kind of forced. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, well, there I go again, coming up with a solution. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid James. (laughs) Ah, yes, Thomas, I validate your uh, feelings. Thank you. (laughs) That's better. (laughs) All right. Do we have any fun of this or that, or is it time for lunch? Um, I got one question. Yeah, we'll just roll with that. We'll oh, do yeah. this or that next week. It's just a question. Like, uh, favorite athletes, and what traits do you look for slash admire in your favorite athletes? Easy, Matt Hoffman, toughness, toughness, nice. and inventiveness. So, for people who don't know Matt Hoffman, he's like the Tony Hawk of BMX. He's got the most ridiculous injury and toughness history. The guy, like broke his wrist completely to the point where his hand didn't work in the X games in like 1990 something. And so instead of going to see the medics, he taped his hands to the handlebar on like a 12 foot vert ramp and won the competition. Wow. Stuff nice. like that. Just psychopath. But he, he invented most of the tricks that, uh, that uh, have built like the, the basis of BMX today. Like he, he invented them. It's just wild to think. It'd be like, I invented the squat. <laughs> you know, mm. like it's just, just crazy that the whole sport is built around, not not completely built around this one dude, but he he definitely took it to a whole new level. When we've spoken about um athletes that are bigger than the sport itself, yeah, he's one of those guys. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, Matt Hoffman. He's like you know when people think Serena Williams or like yeah. Matt yeah. Hoffman's definitely one of those guys that's bigger than BMXing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Meg? Mine's Hattie Boydell. Love nice. her. Just. The way she trains is what I want to emulate every time I train. She's a weapon, hey? Yep. Me- message her and get her on the podcast. Yeah. I she messaged her and asked her to come train here. She only trains around the corner at Coco's. I was like, come train with me. Yeah. And she's Does like, she you train at Coco's? Yeah. She's I like, know. you live on the Gold Coast? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Tell her to come do the podcast and then do a session. Yeah. That's I cool. I love for her to do the podcast. Mm. Nice. Bridget? Um, Tia Toomey. 
just how hard she trains. She's and awesome. like she's just had a baby and then she, I think she got second place at the Rogue oh. Invitational, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. So yeah, cool. I think she had the baby like just a couple of months ago. Oh she gosh. just never quits. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The way that woman trains, she'll push herself to her limits and then she'll just keep going. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, she cool. has no off switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to Manny Pacquiao. Nice. Uh, yep. Just he's uh he's for the people. Yeah. Like uh there was a really cool photo I saw the other day of um Floyd Mayweather. And he's got his big security guards around him blocking him from the people. Yeah. And there's a photo of Manny Pacquiao in the middle hugging all the people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, that's just – I think that's cool. Mm. That's super mm. cool. Mm. That's super cool. I like that stuff with, like, hip-hop when they go back to – Yeah. They go back to Compton and mm. – I don't know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but that's like Manny. Manny's always been like the most humble superstar. I mean, the, the Williams sisters were like that as well. Yeah. They stayed connected to the hood for so long. Mm. Mm. Still are. But yeah, like Manny's just, he's literally the people, that's why they call him the people's champ. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. Sweet. Champ. Very cool. All right. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.